You're tuned in to the Main Hustle Side Hustle Podcast, coming to you from Memphis, Tennessee. Think like a hustler. Welcome to another episode of Main Hustle Side Hustle. I'm your co-host, Dre. And I'm Alicia. Alicia. I'm, uh, man, <laughs> July, hey, I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's going into August because, uh, the Harris is some, we somewhat balled out in July. Mm, y'all did. Somewhat. Mm, yeah, I saw somewhat. the trips. Yeah, so, um, it's funny that we got, uh, the guests that we have today because, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we spent mm-hmm. a little, we, we didn't really stay within the budget, I'll say that. It uh, happens. So, so I'm happy. I'll be happy when payday gets here. Oh, that's right. This Friday. Well, I'm on my way to vacation next week, so hopefully I can come back and tell you that I stayed within budget. That Maybe. Screen, like I told you. You told me. I went about three different kinds. I want to make sure that I'm not burnt in anyway. So anyway, we have a new guest this week. Got a guest. So. I guess today I'm, I'm I'm very excited to talk to this guy. I've been knowing him for a long time. Financial advising specialist, professional financial planning, uh, Mr. Nick Smith, the owner of the Berkeley Financial Firm. Um, like I said, I've been knowing this guy a long time, and he has a wealth of information about finances, you know, budgeting, uh, making sure you're planning for your future. So we're going to talk to him today. Um, and hopefully you get something out of this. Hopefully, you, hopefully, you know, you listen to this and, um, you'll be able to plan things a little better. Maybe have a little better strategy going forward. Uh, so in 30 years, you'll be straight. You'll be on like, like Alicia going to Cabo, you know, mm-hmm. putting, on, putting on sunscreen on your nose. <laughs> you know. I hope so. so. I hope so. And I just want to just add just for listeners um, why it's important. We told you guys that we would bring um, a lot of experts and people who do well in their field just so you can get a lot of different um, perspectives and aspects on main hustles and side hustles. And for folks who um, had a side hustle that blew up and it turned into something that you uh, could sustain yourself and your family um, with, I'm sure you saw that there was a need for some type of discipline in your financial life. And even if you are, um, I think if you have a main hustle and a side hustle like myself, I think when those checks start coming, you know, it feels like extra play money and you want to ball out, you want to go on vacation, you want to go shopping, you want to do whatever you want to do. Um, and sometimes you can go overboard with that. So, uh, we brought Nick on. Andre suggested Nick um, because everybody needs, you know, information, good, solid information about your finances, personal finance, business finance, to make sure that, you know, you're in a good um, financial place, no matter what you're doing with your work or your side hustle. So I will toss it back to Nick. Tell us about you, Nick. Hello, Hello. tell us. Hello, hey, everyone. I, I, I'm excited to be here. Uh, excited about the conversation that we're going to have and the information that's going to be shared. Um, a little bit about me. I've been in the financial service industry for 19 years. 
come this October and I started I started in, in banking, uh worked for a large credit union here in Memphis and worked there for about nine years. And after two thousand eight, uh, of course everybody knows the recession hit and worked in the financial sector, uh but just wasn't a lot going on. Wild uh, time. Right. So our our credit union uh was going through a restructuring phase where, you know, they were they were releasing some salaries, getting some money off the books, and they were starting from the top down. Um, so I got I got my call in 2010, April of 2010, and they decided that they were eliminating, air quote, they were eliminating mm-hmm. my position. Yeah. I was a manager, y'all. I don't know how you eliminate the manager position, mm. but they did. Mm. Uh, Been there. You trained your people too good, man. They were like, well, you did your job too well. You know, Nick, Nick, we cold now, so oh, y'all don't need me, okay? Right, you don't, you don't need a manager for the whole branch anymore. But um, mm. so it, it was at that moment when they decided that they were eliminating my particular position that um, I came to a realization that I could no longer allow anybody to have a say so over whether I got paid or not. Mm. And uh, it was it was a scary decision, but. Prior to that that actual day when it happened, um, with so many people being let go, I was walking on eggshells every day. It was yeah. like at any, it's a bad any working day. environment. Right. I can imagine. Right. It was like at any day. Which which day is it? Is it gonna be the day that this is my last day? So uh after it happened, it was like my back was against the wall. It was like, you know, react. What are you gonna do? And like I said, I decided that at that point, I was going to take my destiny into my own hands. Uh, and I went, I decided to get my life and health insurance license. And funny story about that, that didn't happen right off. Uh, I'm telling you, when you're investing in yourself, do not be cheap. Don't go to cheap. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I went, right. So I went online uh, to get the study guide for the life and health insurance license. And I should have known something was wrong when the website advertised that you can get 100% of your money back if you pass with a 95% or oh. better. I'm like, okay, well, I know the information, so I can do that. Not knowing that with the information that they were given, it didn't have all of the information that I needed to pass right. the test. So, needless to say, I failed the test twice. Mm. Ah. And then I decided to make a proper investment, go get the proper proper training for the test, and then I passed it and became licensed. Um, after that, I went the career agent path with Mutual Omaha for a year. Um, After that, I was introduced to the independent channel, being an independent advisor with a local firm here in the city. And I was there for about four years and learned a lot, kind of saw a blueprint of how a financial services firm uh, Mm -hmm. operates, Mm -hmm. uh, looked at some things that I may have wanted to do different. And in 2016, it was... It was like those four years was a college education for me at that firm. So it was time for me to go out on my own. And I established a Berkeley Financial Firm in 2016. And it was probably, well, it's not probably, it's one of the best decisions that I made personally. Because mm-hmm. that first year in business, I exceeded any salary that I made working in banking. I exceeded any salary that I, any, any income that I made in my four years' time at the other firm previously. And wow. it's been growing from there. Wow. Were you able to um, 
tell me if I'm getting too far in your business. But were you able to transition clients that you had at your previous employer and bring them over? Did, yes. did that help as well? Yes. Now, when I was at Mutual of Omaha as a career agent, <clears throat> a career agent, they kept everything that I wrote that first year. Mm. So when I decided to go the independent route, thankfully I had only put a year in with them because if I had a large book of clients, that would have that would have made that decision even harder because of course in the financial service uh, industry, you're dealing with residual income. Mm-hmm. So giving up that book of business is giving up income. So uh, like I said, it, w- it wasn't a great, a large book that first year. So as I moved on and went independent, with the, even with the other firm here in the city, I was able to keep all those clients. So Nick, you mentioned uh, working uh, for the other independent firm for like four years and you really got a lot of you know, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge that really prepared you to start your own your own company. And that's one of the things we tell our listeners is, you know, don't think of work. A lot of times we think when we're at work, we just kind of, you know, well, they're dumping a lot of work on me or they want me to work on this project or that project or they want me to get, you know, this certification. But, I mean, what you did is a prime example. When you do those things, think of it more as, invest investing in you so a lot of times even even doing this podcast i'll tell you right now when i got out of high school even probably college i wouldn't have been prepared to sit here and talk and have this and articulate my thoughts as well as i do now i learned it at work talking Mm -hmm. to people you know 20 and 30 years older than me and having to really you know, be succinct and concise and, and, and make my points. And so I never really thought of it like that, but that, that prepared me to be able to do this. So you saying that, I just encourage anybody that's listening. If you're at work and it's a project or something or something at work that you don't, you're not really excited about doing, think of it as, you know, you, you're making yourself better. Because at mm-hmm. some point you might need that. Right. I just thought, I just wanted to throw that out there. Man. Absolutely. And to piggyback on that, those nine years that I spent in banking made me a more effective advisor because I see both sides of it. Yeah. Bank, bank makes money off of lending. You know, they want you to pay interest. My job now is to show you how to earn interest. Mm-hmm. So I see how both sides of it work and the financial vehicles that they can give you to put money in because mm-hmm. when people want to start saving money long term, where's the first place they go? They go to the to bank. The bank. That's, that's where your paycheck goes. That's, mm-hmm. that's where everything is. Those are the first people you talk to. Rarely ever do they seek out a financial advisor first. Mm-hmm. For one, most people don't think they have enough money to do it anyway. Correct. But yeah, those nine years that I spent there was a wealth of wealth. Of and so... I'll go, I'm always going back thinking about things you already said. So your previous employer, you were there for a few years, three or four years. You kind of got some some additional training, certifications, things you needed. Do you remember, was there a moment or a day or something that happened that where you said, okay, now I'm ready to start my own thing? Had that always been a goal or was it something that just, you know, kind of happened by chance? Without saying too much. Yeah. Um, once I started learning how the industry was structured mm-hmm. and seeing what I could have versus what I was getting, yeah. and the reason that I was missing out on it was no more than just a decision, then I saw that, okay, I know too much now to stay 
Gotcha. Yeah, it makes mm -hmm. a difference. Yes. Yeah. So when that knowledge level increases to that point, and you don't feel like you you know when your time is up somewhere. Yeah. You, you, you do. Feel it like in your in your soul. You know. Okay. Mm -hmm. This time has run its course. Time yeah. to right. Yeah. And that's, that's where I was at that point. So okay, I think I've learned all that I can learn here, and it's time to move on. And but you moved on to your own. Somebody else could just move on to another job. That's true. That's true no. because there are even even now uh, that I own my own firm, there are other large carriers that will reach out to me, like you know Prudential and, and uh, mm -hmm. carriers like that, who still seek you to come in and be a career agent with them. And what I learned from that is there is nothing like your own. Your own. Mm -hmm. It's not. And I. I totally agree with that. I'm sure you got a sense of freedom and liberation when you started. I'm, I know it was probably a little uneasy. A transitional period. You know, getting getting into your own thing, but I'm sure you. I'm sure there was some freedom associated with that. Right. You know, knowing that you, hey, yes, you have the pressure. This is all on you now, but you can operate the way you want to operate now. Absolutely. And you can apply the things that you've learned in the way you want to apply them. And so, right. I'm, I'm sure you you got a lot out of out of kind of breaking free and starting your own thing. Right now, starting my own thing that wasn't actually as scary as the first year going in. But I, I didn't mention that my first year going in with Mutual of Omaha, I made twenty thousand dollars that first year. Twenty thousand dollars, and five thousand of that was a bonus that I earned wow. from production. So. I'm doing this in that transition. I have family. I have mortgage. I have life mm. going on. And that was the decision that I made. Alicia, I'm sure you can agree with this. The most important thing to women is security. Amen. And when, when you have... You don't want us looking at you crazy. <laughs> be it financial security or physical security, a woman needs that security. And at that moment, in that, that transitional period, that wasn't something that I could provide. But I knew I saw the end. Yeah. I saw what the end could be. So what so so what made you was that vision of what you could see in the future, is that what gave you the perseverance to say, you know, I'm gonna stick with this. I know this first year might have been a little rough, but I'm gonna stick with it. I know that I'm progressing and learning things I need to learn, you know, that so so that year number two would be a lot better than you number one. I, I had to. I had to. But to piggyback on the 20000 remember in year two, I went from a career agent, gave up that entire book to go independent. Oh, so you started from started scratch? all over. The next year, I actually made 13000 Wow. Because the pay Ooh. structure was different between other companies. So here I am, still learning as I go. Yet being sustained by the Almighty. Yeah. <laughs> but uh no, it was it was tough. But even yeah, in I'll that be looking time, now. Oh, absolutely. Every day. <laughs> Every day. Every day. But even in that in that moment, even in that, that year as tough as it was, I knew later it, it could be great. Because I've seen it. I've seen other people do it mm. who I felt like, you know, I may have been a little sharper than mm. you know, I had a little more knowledge under my belt. You just have to go through the beginning. You yeah. have to. No, no way around it. No. So I think that's a, Andre, stop if you have any other questions of, about that piece. But I think now it's like, that's like 
the perfect time to segue into, um, you know, just asking you some questions about um, about what you do and how listeners can benefit from it. So even that piece about $20,000 a year, $13,000 a year, knowing that you were sustained. Y'all, we're going to talk, we'll talk about that a little bit. Knowing you were sustained by, by him, but also knowing that when your finances are in, at least halfway decent, it's so much more that you can do right. with less than right. you've had. Right. In those, in those moments, you learn what's important. What you thought was important, the 800 credit score, which I had all of that at the time that I was working, uh, you know, luxuries, cable, eating mm-hmm. out, and all that kind of stuff, credit cards. Mm-hmm. You get to a point where you're forced not to use them. Most people think they can't live without a credit card. Mm-hmm. I haven't swiped one in probably eight or nine years. So I'm trying to get to that point. <laughs> it's to it's get possible. Back. Oh it's yeah, possible. absolutely. But yeah, you learn you learn a lot about yourself too. You learn what you can do without what what you need in life, and we survive. We survived. It wasn't fun. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask to go back. To I wouldn't again. recommend. No, but, yeah. no, no, no. But I was putting. I was putting that position. It was either I do it now, or I go deal with another employer and whatever it is that they want me to do, and them putting the cap on, you know, what I can make. And everybody has value beyond what your employer is paying. Mm, you just said something powerful right there. Brother. <laughs> Man, everybody does. Ooh-wee. So that was the other thing that I was looking at. And one of the movies that I saw inspiration from was Pursuit of Happiness. You know, Chris Gardner living in a uh, subway bathroom, you know, going through all that before he built a multi, multi-million dollar brokerage, brokerage firm. So it was things like that that kept me going. Awesome, awesome. So I want to jump in. Um, to ask you about saving and or investing for entrepreneurs. So someone who say they've taken that entrepreneurial step, even 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 if they're not an entrepreneur, just someone who may not believe that they have enough money to save or to invest. Um, and I think about you know when you and I, when you and I met, you and I and Tasha, we talked and, and you were kind of going through our finances. He digging your business. I gotta get in your he business. Get your business now. <laughs> Do my job. I he, gotta get in the he, business. He get in your business, but he tell your friends like Dre. I remember he was like Dre. I'm finna get in y'all business now. And so he goes through, but he'll. I mean, he can pick out things to where you think you may not have enough money. He just mentioned that you kind of really have to reassess what you really need versus what's a luxury to have and what's more important to you. And you can kind of. And kind of rework some things. So tell us how maybe an entrepreneur or someone who may not believe that they have enough uh, income coming in to save some things that they mm-hmm. can do. Sure. In, in, anybody, uh, entrepreneur or not, if you're earning money, you need to operate on a budget. If the Fortune 500 company put a budget in place every year, why shouldn't you have it? So what what the mindset is, I try to change the mindset of my clients, first of all, regarding money. Let's mm-hmm. let's talk about that for a second if we can. Mm-hmm. Money itself is not what you're after. You want what money can do. Yes. You want you want your house heated in the wintertime. You mm-hmm. want it cooled in the summer. You want to be able to go on vacations mm-hmm. and all. You want what money can do. If somebody could provide all of that to you without cost, you would take it. You don't need money. 
Because if I set a million dollars on this table, not that I could do that, but if I <laughs> if I physically set a million dollars on this table and just let it sit here, it would do absolutely nothing. So looking at money, the intrinsic value itself is worth nothing. You just want what money can do. But because we need money to operate in society, you have to discipline your dollar. Mm-hmm. So what I like to tell my clients to do is operate off the 60-20-10-10 rule. And this is operating in percentages, not dollar amount. Like you may know what your mortgage payment is, car mm-hmm. payment is, uh, how much you spend in groceries a month. But what percentage of your income is that taken up? Mm-hmm. So the 60% is all of your living expenses. That's your rental mortgage, groceries, cable. Everything that you're paying, your regular monthly expenses should not exceed 60% of what you're bringing home. Now, 20%, and it's a stretch. People have to work to get here. But 20% should be your long-term and short-term savings. So take that 20, divide it half and half. 10 goes in the long-term savings. And those are your high interest bearing accounts. You know, the other financial vehicles outside of your regular savings account, things like that. Your short-term savings that 10 percent that goes in your regular savings account that's your emergency fund that's if you need new tires or Mm -hmm. you know whatever those unexpected expenses come up you got money that you can get to right then and there the next 10 percent that's giving i'm Mm -hmm. a strong believer in giving now wherever you want to give to is at your discretion but i believe that you put it out it comes Comes back back. absolutely and then the last 10 percent take yourself Put money in your pocket. You can't go to work for 40 hours a week, get your paycheck, and then feel like you can't enjoy any of your money. So take 10%, put it in your pocket, go do whatever you want to do with it. But you feel more free when you're doing it that way. You don't, you're not guilty spending when you're doing it that way because that money was set aside. Set yeah. aside for it. That's exactly what it was for, to, to go blow it. Because okay, so I okay, I need to make sure that one because I when I was down. doing Don't my math, I'm like, down. are you saying I'm doing sixty for living? And then what I've heard before was twenty percent, then your ten for giving time, I would have whatever you have you. And then when I've heard of pay yourself, I didn't think of it as like doing something for me or some type of self care. I was thinking of that as saving. So I was thinking, are we really saving or not dedicating 40% of our money to anything else. Well, but that's me wanting to be greedy. 20 savings. You see the difference there? Yeah. So he, he 20% yeah. savings as so, opposed to 10. Yeah. So this is terminal, you know. People I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not doing budget. that right now, Nick. <laughs> people talk about balling on a budget. And you can, from what Nick just lined out, you can say to yourself, okay, what kind of balling am I? You know Please. how much money you got coming in Please every month. Categorize and you bottle. know what 10% of that is. So either you, I'm the guy at the club popping bottles, baller, or, you know, I'm the staycation six-pack at the crib watching the game, baller. It, you know, but what he's saying is you can determine this on the front end and you won't be trying Act to be that baller at the club when you're really supposed to be the baller at the house and That's spending right. money exactly. where you're not supposed to be spending it. Lanes. Exactly. And we got to stay in our lane until we're able to get to the other lane. Exactly. Exactly. Easier said than done. And that, and that plan is flexible because if you look at your budget or if you look at your money and you see, okay, my living expenses don't even come to 
I'm at 40%. Well, what do you do with that other 20? Mm, I can maybe. add more to my savings. I can give more. Or I can give myself a raise in my pocket. I know you see it. Yeah. You got no train that way. Right across my feet. You know what I mean. So there's, there's flexibility in that, in that budget plan. So if you find out that 60% of your living expenses or if you find out that your living expenses don't actually come to 60%, now you can start moving that difference into those other those other areas. So let's say your living expenses come to 40%. Like you don't you don't have a large car note, large rent or mortgage or anything. That other 20% can go more towards your long-term savings. You can beef up your your personal savings or that's more money for you to go do what you want to do with it. If you mm. want to travel more or whatever, that, that can go into that pot. So you have flexibility in it once you decide what's important to you. I like that. I like that because I think um, we were talking earlier before we started recording. Um, a story that I've been working on was about a, a Thrive List, which is just really another way to budget. It doesn't by any means take away the... You know, needing to know what your income is, what your expenses are, you know, and being honest with how much debt you have or what have you. Um, but really thinking about your values and what do I need to thrive? What does my family need? Because I know budgets tend to, until I heard your piece about the 10%, not saying I like to blow my money, but I do sometimes um but i think budgets all inclusive though see that's why you take care of that on the front end um but i think budgets have felt so restrictive and they just feel like everything that i used to do whether i needed to have been doing it or not even if it was in excess i can't do it anymore i'm just i'm stuck in this box I can't have fun. I can't enjoy myself. We can't. My family can't do this or that. But with that 10% that you have saving for yourself or your family or whatnot, that makes it feel better. Because I think it's just a mind thing. Once you get past what you have to do, you can do it. But, you know, for folks that may not have as much discipline um, or staying power with that, it could throw them a bit. It does take some discipline. Because I tell you, when we sat down, Nick, he was telling us, y'all spend too much money eating out, Dre. Well, Nick, I'm, you know, somewhat ashamed to tell you. That bill is either the same or higher. <laughs> we, talked, we ain't trying to cook we it today, all those years ago. But I'll be honest with you, Nick. It, it's not, it, most of it is out of necessity. Now, we could probably, like, come down a little bit on the types of meals sometimes <laughs> but a lot of it is, is is necessary just because of you know the work hours we keep me and my wife you know um like i said i'm gonna say it again if she ever she gets to a certain level then i stay at home and cook every day i learn how is to. the food good though no you don't know okay i had to ask tasha i have to get her you you know if you're trying to stay at I home i mean and the cook. items that i cook you know straight okay my okay. kids, the kids still here. They still alive. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Alive that's and my, That's my kids whose grits taste better. Mm. But, but no guess instant, what? huh? But guess what, though, Dre? Even with that, like you said, whatever you spend eating out to eat, uh, paying to eat out, if that falls within, within your 60% for living expenses, if that's not outside of that, 
You ain't broke no rules. Okay. 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 I'm you mean, good. That's no that's part of your that's part of your living expenses. See, all all of us at this table, our living expenses are True. different. Like you said, your lifestyle calls for that. Mm-hmm. You know that that's just part of it. What would be my grocery bill is your eating out. That's that's how you eat. So if that if that's within your sixty percent that those parameters, you're not out of line. Okay. okay. I'm glad you said that. I feel better. So do things according to your own household and nobody else. Right. But at least you make a great point about the word budget itself. When people hear budget, it's like almost like a diet. The B word. Yeah. It's like, I can't have this, that, and other. No. What you're doing is you're directing your dollars because if you don't tell your money where to go, you're going to ask where it went. Mm. So, no. budget, Budget is not restriction. It's direction. So, so tells that we didn't talk a lot about like how you can budget and and set money aside to save or even invest or whatever you want to do. Tells about life insurance. Tells about the importance of that because I see a lot of I'm gonna say this. I already know about how when people pass away, our brothers and sisters pass away, and our we brothers see and all sisters. these GoFundMe so pay for the funeral, and I'm sitting there like, when I die, please, please, Lord. <laughs> Do not sit on no GoFundMe, okay? So talk to us about life insurance. Life insurance is the most versatile vehicle on the planet. Cash value life insurance in particular, but life insurance in general. Oh man, when you're talking about protecting businesses, protecting legacies, um, even even if you're a person of high net worth, high wealth. You have a need for life insurance because most people, when they initially think about life insurance, it's just what you brought it to GoFundMe because all they're trying to pay for is a barrier. They don't think about the additional expenses that are incurred when someone leaves here. Not to mention, if you have small children at the house, mm-hmm. does <clears throat> if you have a mortgage, does that mortgage need to be paid off? Do you want to make sure that college is going to be funded mm-hmm. fully? You earn the income. They're going to miss you, but they also going to miss the check that you were bringing home. So how much, what percentage of that still needs to come into the house and for how long? And heaven forbid, what if you had an instance where someone passed away from a car accident? Husband and wife riding in the car together. Husband passed away, but the wife becomes disabled because of it. She can't work, you know. But that life insurance could come in and save the day because disability insurance is only going to pay a small percentage of what hmm. that person's prior to leave here or becoming disabled. Mm-hmm. So life insurance is that superhero that comes in. Not to mention it's tax free. Man, look, I, I read a book some years ago. It's basically about black people getting financial freedom. It's about Dr. Boyce Watkins. Mm-hmm. And the book was basically a story about there's a there's an African American gentleman and there was a Caucasian gentleman, both same education, same career, every you know same salary, everything. So the African American guy struggling, you know, not necessarily living check to check, but pretty close, you know. So he's dealing with student loan debt. He's dealing with. Family members asking for money here. Hey, I need to borrow this. I need money for that. The Caucasian gentleman, on the other hand, on the other hand. Oh, and by the way, African American guy, no one left him anything. 
Like he doesn't have any no inheritances. You know, any or... any inheritance from any other family member. So the Caucasian gentleman on the other end, and Nick Nick just kind of touched on some of this. Graduates college, no debt, zero student loan debt. Okay, so somebody planned for that. Mm-hmm. For him to go to school and, and that being covered. Oh, and by the way, someone had a life insurance policy. He got left a, a lump sum of, of money to invest or to, to have to increase his you know net worth or whatever. He's also been left real estate. He's got property that's been left to him. So, and oh, and and on other, and, and by the way, he doesn't have family members reaching out in his pockets here mm-hmm. and there. Oh, another episode. Taking away money from his household. So on the surface, it looks like these two are pretty identical. But if you dig a little deeper, you peel back not. the onion. It's totally different. Totally different lifestyle. So, so really think about that when you're, you know, you hear Nick and Nick had to kind of work on me. He had to work on me to to meet with him and really sit down and talk about this stuff. But it's valuable. You really could set your set your family up. Every bit something ever happens to you, and you set you know those you love up to not have to to not have to struggle, so they can just miss you in spirit, right? In in, in presence, and not as my miss mama you would say, money will lift up a bow down head. You might be sad, but the money will make you feel a, a little better. You oh, know, it's oh, it's yeah. one less thing that you have to deal with. When you have money, you have choices. And when you don't, you have circumstances. Mm. So leaving an adequately structured life insurance policy behind the beneficiaries can make a world of difference. And in my industry, I've seen both sides of it. I've seen where a client passed away and didn't get the coverage that was recommended. I've also seen it where the client passed away and everything was in place and now early retirement is an option for that for that spouse mm. the kids are going to school no issues all their cars are paid off it's it makes a world of difference and again that money comes tax free the government doesn't get a dime of it and so what should folks do so i know we're talking to a, a mixed bag of people some who are probably most who are working full-time jobs and then you have some that have their own businesses what what lanes or what route should like each of those people take because as you said um at least earlier when you work for yourself it's on you you know right. you may not be and even if you have a full-time job many jobs aren't if at the place if they're a smaller business or if they need to cut back they're going to cut back a lot of times on those fringe benefits that could include though you know a ten fifteen thousand dollar life insurance policy right and I'll, I'll use myself as an example um during that transition year coming from employer to uh commission only uh being in neutral Omaha I lost all of my employee benefits and little did I even know then while I was working at the bank, they were given one and a half times my salary for a benefit. My son at the time, I think was nine years old, eight or nine years old at the time. So if I were to leave at that point, I still needed to leave enough money to provide for him and say at least till he graduated from college, you know, mm-hmm. 22, 23 years old. Uh, so two times or one and a half times my salary at the time would not have done that. Mm-hmm. So being independent, 
I made a choice that even though they're not providing a life insurance benefit for me and I wasn't making a whole lot of money at the time, I had to trust myself that, okay, I'll take out a term policy, which mm-hmm. uh, is less expensive. They won't be with me for the rest of my life, but I can pay this small $26 a month premium and get my family at least 250000 you know, so that way if anything happened to me, they'll be better off than they would have been even with what I had on my previous right. job. Okay. And then as my life changed and finances changed, I I changed my policy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got more what I could afford because I knew what my family would need in my absence. So to the business owner or on a personal level, if you can't get what you need, get what you can afford. There are a number of different types of policies out there. You have term, you have uh, cash value, which can be a whole life, a universal life. We won't get into you know all the details of those, but there's an option for you. So uh, regardless of your income level, again, it's all about prioritizing what's important to you. Okay. That's, that's what I really wa- wanted to get at because I think people feel like, you know, particularly if a fringe benefit is offered at your job, they may feel like, well, if it was just up to me, then it's going to really cost a lot, you know. So being able to know that it's, it's a small investment, but it is worth it. And believe you me, your company can have wonderful benefits and then come in one day and say, we're unable to do it. Or, for example, if one employer um, recently, they were going over medical, the person came in to talk about um, health insurance benefits. And she even said, this is the trend. Um, they're going to stop allowing spouses to be on insurance uh, insurances because it something about cost, but that it's really going going that way. And so it just so happened we had some employee some employees or team members rather who were able to be on their spouse's insurance. Um, but she did say that that it's it's heading that way. So every person unfortunately will be for themselves in in a little while, which is, you know, crazy unfortunate. But just to say, you never know all these twists and turns that industries are going to take. And so, you know, you have to keep yourself covered. You bring up a great point with that. Um, because I always encourage, especially uh, if you're working for employers providing benefits, still get your own benefits outside of that. You know, your own life insurance, your mm-hmm. own short-term, long-term disability. Put mm-hmm. that in place because, for one thing, take the disability for example if you go on long-term disability that's typically 60 percent of what you were making now if the employer pays for that they get the tax deduction so when you go out on claim that means that that benefit at 60 percent is taxable to you so after taxes you actually bring home less than the 60 percent and for most people it's hard enough to make it off 100 percent of what they were bringing but if you purchase a policy outside of that that you own, you're paying those premiums with after-tax dollars. So if you go out on claim, that benefit comes to you tax-free. Okay. Mm, look at them. See, educating the people right now. Yeah. So I'm you can never have enough coverage. So that's advice to me. Speaking of advice, what advice would you give? Just, just something to really, you know, stick with someone. From a financial standpoint, it sounds cliche, but <clears throat> invest in yourself. What I mean by that is do something that's going to create value. 
Um, and when you create value, the marketplace is open to you. Anything that you can do to help make somebody's life more convenient or easier, whatever it is, invest in yourself. Because we were all born with gifts and talents. Some of us are sitting on them. Some of us have been sitting on them for far too long. And when you stick with the employer, or even if you own your own business and you haven't taken that extra class, looking at, you know, trying to get that certification. Skills. Yeah, whatever it is that could advance you in your profession or your industry, do that. Because you could come to me. My job is to show you what to do with the money that you have. Now, I consider myself a little different because I will ask you what are your gifts and talents. Because from a financial planning standpoint, when you own your own business, you get some tax breaks that the average working American does. So that not only are you creating more income, mm-hmm. you're also reducing your tax liability. And I hate taxes. But <laughs> <laughs> not invest in yourself. So get you a financial advisor. Call Nick. Call somebody. We talked about that in financial education. Can you definitely do that? That's a big investment you can make in yourself. Been trying to do that a lot more myself. And Nick has helped with that. So make sure you do the same. And Nick, where can we find you uh, for your business or if people want to reach out? You can find me on the web, uh, www.berkeleyfinancialfirm.com. That's B-E-R-K-L-Y. No E in between there. Um, Office number 901-818-3118. If you meet me, I'll give you my card. You have my personal cell phone number as well. But uh, (laughs) Yeah, don't put it out over there. Don't put it out over the airwaves. Not today. But yeah, if you go to the website, if you're interested in a a complimentary consultation, just let us know on the site. I'll get the message, and we will definitely connect and see what your financial position is, where you want to go, and how I can help you get there. All right. Thank you, man. Thanks for being here, brother. I appreciate appreciate it. it. Thank you. Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. You've been listening to Main Hustle Side Hustle Podcast. Join us next week for the next episode. Every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling, every day I'm hustling.